deep and a half looking and looking. Gets it into Koenig. Right side shooting for the win. Got it! Got it! Watson Koenig at the buzzer! Welcome to Guarded Optimism, a Wisconsin Badgers basketball podcast with your hosts, Kyle Ashour and Kurt Hogue. And welcome to episode 8 of Guarded Optimism. From scenic Milwaukee, Wisconsin, I am one of your co-hosts, Kyle Ashour, and no longer in Madison, Wisconsin, but in Wilmar, Minnesota, is Kurt Hogue. Kurt, how are you doing tonight? I'm well, Kyle, and I told you that there would one day come a time when it was not as always from, from Madison, Wisconsin, and we have reached that day. Yes, for those of you who don't know, Kurt has graduated and has gotten a big boy job. A big boy job that pays me, and so now I watch Wisconsin games on my computer sometimes, and the Bucks games on my computer, and I am in a different state, which yes. does not always have the games that I want to watch on, but yes. it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. We still love you, Kurt. <laughs> Thank you. So when we when we last left you guys, it was right in the middle of Kurt's finals week ish, and we were just about to play Green Bay. Uh, we beat Green Bay because Green Bay is not great. And then we, not great, Bob. It's not great, Bob. I mean, there were it was fine. Like I don't know if there are any super notable performances. Uh, Hayes had a good 24-point game. Uh, Mage had a 2 trillion. Brevin Pritzel had a 1 trillion. But other than that, nothing nothing too much that I really want to point I out. I like how game. you can go from the 24 notable performances. You have the guy who scored 24 points and then the trillions. Yes, oh, absolutely. Good. good. I mean, Showalter was 4 of 6 from, from the uh, three-point land, had 6 steals. Mm-hmm. Probably the MVP of that game. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. that was a good 14-point home win. On Christmas Eve Eve, Wisconsin played Florida a which is a legitimately awful basketball team and does not deserve to do anything other than be sad because they're a bad basketball team. They beat them by a good old 50-55-ish. Yeah, they, they what was it, like the third largest win in, Fran- or in school history or something? Something like that, yeah. Uh, nothing like a... Winter post winter exams tune up game against. This is what I envision all college coaches doing for you know those types of games. They go, they, they go, they go to KenPom.com and they look at all right, who's going to be like the worst team in college basketball this year? <laughs> all right, which ones? Which ones can we play? Which ones have an open date? Florida A and M. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> And then they, they travel like eight guys to Madison because they're making money off of it and they don't want to bring more than, <laughs> more than eight guys. Um, so. Some notable things. Wisconsin's minimum win probability, according to Ken Palm, was the beginning of the game at 99.2%. It never decreased oh. from that. Uh, 13 players for both between both teams recorded a steal. No one had more than one steal, however. Ah, that's um, that's a great fact. It's a great fact. Uh, s- because the game was so bad, everyone played, and no one had a trillion because everyone had to do something. 
TJ Schlunt was probably the closest, but he took a single two-point jumper. And you missed it, obviously. Other than that, it was a good old-fashioned Rock'em Sock'em, Rock'em Sock'em shootout. Hmm. Yeah. So that was Christmas Eve Eve. Then we had some holidays and whatnot. And then the State University of New Jersey came to town. Did they not, Kurt? Uh, they did come to town. Yes. And Mike Williams shot out of his mind, but the rest of Rutgers did not shoot out of their minds. As as is customary of the State University of New Jersey. <laughs> um, impre- yes, yes. Impressively, Wisconsin, again, played pretty much the entire team, again, due to the lack of goodness that Rutgers has on their team. And we had, again, we had three trillions, three players with trillions. Jordan Hill had a three trillion. Jordan Hill! And it, that the dissension of Jordan Hill is is an grace. underrated that's an underrated storyline of the year. Jordan Hill just not playing. God. I, I feel bad for the kid, but just he doesn't fit in the doesn't fit in the framework of the team and he's just he hasn't progressed the way that guard was would hope from his sophomore to mm. his junior year. Yeah. Uh, Brevin Pritzel true. and Matt Ferris also had a singleton trillion. Uh Aaron okay. Mesh actually got on the board though. He, uh, yes, he went one of That's two from the from the free throw line. Very important, but it does put a dagger in the ongoing the, the season trillion <laughs> watch. <laughs> I mean, he also had an offensive rebound, so he was he did have a second two, stat. He had a second two stat birds with one stone yeah, was an yeah. offensive rebound and a score. Yeah, wow. Rutgers was one of those games where it was never really in doubt. They went out. Wisconsin went out to a big lead. Had what a fifteen point halftime lead, and you could tell that it was on cruise control from there. Uh, Rutgers has currently won one game since they joined the Big Ten in the 2014 season. So they're not great. Oh, and that one win, by the way, was over a one-win Minnesota team last year. Uh, Kyle, you are forgetting one very important game. Oh, God, they won a second game. Oh, no. They beat Wisconsin. Oh, no. I had that blocked out of my... Oh, why yeah, did you remind Frank, me? A Frank Kaminsky and Trayvon Jacksonless Wisconsin team. Oh, my gosh. Uh, that was... That was a, that was a bad night. <laughs> Why did you in which, remind me? In which I well, like we couldn't just have that that glaring <laughs> omission <laughs> on our on our broadcast. <laughs> that was part of the season where Wisconsin went sixteen and zero against uh, the two thousands Big Ten teams and zero and two against the two thousand tens Big Ten. Ah! Yeah, the only. They only lost games that year to true ACC opponents. Rutgers is not an ACC opponent. I mean, tr- you know, my gra- my father's ACC opponents. Rutgers was in the Big East. You tried. You tried, Kurt. I'll give you No, that. Rutgers was in the ACC at some point. I'm convinced. Are you? They're bad. What? Why would you leave the ACC and then join the Big East, though? Nope, they didn't. They were never in the ACC. Well, okay, that's what I, that's basically what I said. You didn't believe me. Thank you. Thank you for doubting me. Anyways, anyways. So Wisconsin played the state university, state university of New Jersey, beat their behinds, went to New Year's. Nothing quite happened, and then Indiana came. Good old last night. Wisconsin went to Assembly Hall, or as some Indiana fans apparently like to call it, the Hall of Calls, and Wisconsin beat Tom Crean and his ass. And let me tell you. Could you explain to me the Hall of Calls? Oh, goody! Let's do this! Okay, so, for those of you who watched the game last night, the refs were mediocre at best. There were some missed calls on both ends. 
some egregious calls on the other end. And short of a phantom out-of-bounds switch call that Gene Steratore approved, the refereeing was both equal and bad. As a result, I saw Wisconsin Badgers fans and Indiana fans complaining about the refereeing of the game. The thing that gets me and grinds my gears, to take a Peter Griffin term, is that refereeing in college basketball is not that great. Full stop. There, there, there are too many games and too many referees to really say that there are quote-unquote good referees. Some are better than others, sure, but as long as Ted Valentine still has a job, the whole coaching carousel, the whole refereeing carousel can't be that great. So when I see Wisconsin Badgers fans <laughs> complaining about Wisconsin's going to get screwed because of the refereeing when the refereeing was bad for both teams, and then ignoring the fact that Wisconsin had awful rebounding and horrific free-throw shooting last night, is kind of... It's a way to scapegoat the loss without taking any responsibility for the shortcomings of the team. And it frustrated me because Wisconsin was never at a point where you could clearly say we lost or we were going to lose because of the refs. It was very clearly poor rebounding and poor free throw shooting that would have doomed the team. And poor enough defense that Indiana could continue to shoot as well as they did. So, at the end of the day, pick your battles when you're going to complain about the refs. That's all I ask. There are going to there there are going to be bad times when the refs are bad. Pick your battles and don't come off like a petty sad person. That being said, Kansas State fans have every right to be pissy because <laughs> Kansas traveled last night. And let me tell you, I think there was a robbery and I think they got off on foot. Oh my god, stop that. <laughs> that all joke right, well, that okay, right. to be fair, I can't take credit for that joke. That was posted by the Lawrence Police Department on Twitter. Okay. <laughs> well, um, Three things. One, Kyle, am I one of the uh, those petty? Would you consider me one of those the petty ref hater peoples? In honest opinion, I don't. I don't know if I saw many like upset tweets from you last night, though. I what I try to do is like when the refs objectively blow a call, normally one that favors the Badgers. Um, like the the Bronson Koenig play where he was clearly shoved when he had the ball. I'm sorry, but. You know, was it was that that loose ball foul thing that they called? Yeah, yeah, they called it a team control. Like, no, that's a that that's a because he didn't have possession of the ball. Well, like, but but I guess he did have possession of the ball. That's a that's a that's a foul. Well, that results in shooting. I agree with you to the extent that the referees thought that he did not have possession of the ball. But he had the ball. It was obvious. He had the ball in the same way Des caught the ball. See, they, no. pro- they probably yeah, had. But that's, it was probably that's correct. Different, it was, not, it was probably the... correct, but the refs can. Th- th- I think there was enough leeway in how Koenig was trying to control the ball, and I don't know that he had control in bounds of the ball. And I think that's the biggest thing. Well, I mean, I think by the, the time control in basketball is a completely different thing than no, in football, but, though. But if you think, okay, if you control the basketball, okay, if you jump up in midair and you're going out of bounds and you don't possess the basketball until you're halfway in midair and on your way out of bounds, do you ever really control the ball? Because you, you're never going to have legal possession in bounds. But the thing is, he like took a dribble. He started to dribble, and then he got shoved into the bench. And they're like, eh, it's not a shooting foul. We, yeah. we, they, we, they don't go on the line for that. But then, you know, I actually don't remember what happened on that play. I think downtown Vito Brown put the game in the coffin, but still. All right, so I think we've 
come to a conclusion on thing one that I'm, I, I could be petty. I guess I could come across as such because I do sometimes tweet about the refs, but I guess I'm not that annoying. Um, number two, if there were, you know, you know, in baseball, people, you know, clamor for the robot umps. Yes. Could that be a thing in basketball, and how would it work? My thing with robot umps and robot refs is that I think with within the rule book of I think every sport, there is some level of, sub, of subjectivity. For example, no one there is no technical definition of what is considered an offering at the plate in terms of a called strike and if they go around it. Th- th- there's a generally accepted definition of does the does the bat cross the front of the plate, but that's not an official rule. You just yeah. have to offer. Yeah, and, and I mean, and that's that's just one example of a rule, or like like something like a technical foul. I don't think that I don't think that there's a robot that can that can s- determine whether or not a foul is a regular foul or a technical foul. Right. Um, there's there's not really a way that robots could you know do nuance. Yeah, do <laughs> basketball fouls. It's it's a different <laughs> sport. Yeah, where, where there's fouls as opposed to. You know, a ball being within a frame. Yeah. But I don't know. Food for thought. Maybe we could do it because I just realized that um, that there's there's a lot of times in college basketball you're like, wow, these refs are awful. It's it's frustrating watching games that should be better but are but aren't because of referees for one way or another. And I understand the frustration of fans. I, I've already made my case about. Yes, you. Yeah, you. You definitely did, and yeah. it was a good case. And number and thing three, um, off of the, the famed, Kyle Ashour rant, was this, this, that you mentioned something like you know you get like one or two chances to hang your hat on on bad officiating, and then really you know, because I and I get that like to a point it's you, you become the boy who cried wolf about every game in which there were missed calls. Exactly. And I think that I think that personally, I've I have the game where I hang my hat on, and I think all Badger fans do, and and it hurts, Kyle. It still hurts. You know, it's it's okay. We'll beat Rutgers. We've beat Rutgers. We will beat Rutgers in the future. It's okay. Not that game. Oh no, we're not talking about that. Nope, we're not talking about it, Kurt. Uh, so moving on to literally any other topic other than the one Kurt's trying to shoehorn into this conversation. Uh, Wisconsin <laughs> goes to Mackey Arena on Sunday and plays Purdue at the exact same time that the Green Bay Packers host the New York Giants in the NFC wildcard game. Thankfully, because CBS oh. owns a 3.30 central time window, and no one wanted to have it elsewhere. So I appreciate you, CBS, for making Sunday afternoon a pain in the butt. Mm-hmm. Uh for Purdue, Caleb Swanigan is really, 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 really good, isn't Very he? Very good. Very good. 2020, except he won't do that against the Badgers. Well, eh, he might. I mean, he probably won't, but he might. I mean, he could. It's, <laughs> I don't think it's it's ludicrous that we're at a point where he's, we're saying, oh, a guy won't score 2020. Like, we have to mention it. That's how that's how good he's been. That It's something that you have to mention that... You know, he probably won't get 20 points and 20 rebounds, but um, the Badgers went into the Indiana game as one of the best defensive rebounding teams, and they struggled mightily in that aspect against the Hoosiers. So um, between Swanigan and Haas, 
who both um, have offensive rebounding rates in double digits, that could be a bit of a problem, don't you think? I do. Caleb uh, Swanigan did have a twenty twenty against Minnesota on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And in that loss, though, so that home loss to Minnesota, just... it's it, Purdue is is it's a very curious case right now because you know their first two losses were to Villanova and Louisville, but outside of that, you know, they looked very good. They waxed Iowa at home. Which and I, Iowa is sneaky bad. Sneak, Iowa is sneak, sneaky bad. Sneaky mediocre. Sneaky mediocre. Sneaky don't get mediocre. fooled. Yeah, don't get fooled by that. Them beating uh, Iowa State because I don't think Iowa State's all that hot either. And, but and, I mean, and not only that, you can win. You can win a lot of games you shouldn't when you're at home. That's true. Um, That's true. Looking at you, Rutgers. Yes. Uh, but so, okay, quick, quick trivia question for you: Where do you think Hit Minnesota's me. ranked in Ken Palm, Kurt? Um, thirty-one. Forty. Okay. So I mean, so so you had you had the general idea. They're actually Minnesota's actually not a bad basketball team this year. Well, I think. Um, our good good friend of the show Bart Torvik has them at twenty three. Oh boy. Uh, I mean, I mean, that's pretty. It's it's it's. De- I think it's defensible. Uh, what does he have his the the adjusted O on? Um. Only seventy. Only seventy nine. 107.9, ranked 79th. Oh, okay. Yeah. So And then def- the defense, though, is ranked 8th. So, I mean, even... Oh, hold on. I'm looking at Purdue stats. That's why I was so confused. So, 107.5 for offense, and defense, we have 91.5 for Ken Palm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, 23rd, wow. But, no, I mean, baby Richard Patino definitely has his team kind of on the up and up. I mean, he had. They lost. I think. We think. <laughs> but I mean, re- regardless of where they are, I do. I do think that we were almost certainly wrong about the team in the preseason. Yes, we. But I don't think we were unjustified in our, in our low expectations yes. for that team. Um, and we'll see what what Minnesota can can do in the upcoming. Stretch here. They've got a road trip to Northwestern, which is another sneaky all right team. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and I think this might this is probably Northwestern's best chance at a tournament in I don't know how long. Yeah, but even then, I mean, if Northwest, well, Northwestern can win ten, maybe eleven games in the Big Ten this year, I think they're almost certainly in. Maybe it'd be their like first. It'd be their first one ever. They've well, never made yes, one. Yes, they've never made one because they're Northwestern. Yes. Yes. Um. But no, I mean they have they have some, they have some decent wins. They they beat Wake Forest at home. They beat Dayton on a neutral site. They've beaten Texas. They've beaten Wake. Uh, I already mm-hmm. said Wake Forest. Um, I mean they're going to have some decent Big Ten games coming up. So maybe maybe Northwestern can pull it out. Who knows? Mm-hmm. But um. as we sidetracked off of Penn, uh, Purdue, let's get back to Purdue a little bit. So Purdue's an interesting team. And I say interesting because their fans are still their fans, and you know how I feel about Purdue fans. But they've basically lost to two top ten teams. They lost to Minnesota at home in overtime uh, over the weekend. And then they've pl- played a bunch of middling to bad teams. Purdue might be one of those teams, and I think along with Indiana, where... A lot of the preseason hype and the kind of the non-conference, the, the like the marquee games that they've played just aren't panning out the way that they expected as we come into the Big Ten season. And 
maybe there's some there's some weird issues where both of these teams are playing home games right now during uh, the traditional college winter break, and that that home court advantage that they rely on so heavily just isn't there right now because of a, a lack of fan support. But I don't really think that you can justify losing to losing to Minnesota the way that you did, or losing to Nebraska the way that you did if you're Indiana. And it's it's very curious to see how they rebound. I mean, Purdue has to go to Ohio State, who. Ohio State's another team that's struggling mightily, and they're going to need a huge win on, to beat over Purdue if they want any chance of making the tournament. And then they I have to come back on. Sorry, nope, then they have nope. to come back on Sunday and then play Wisconsin again. And I just, I think Purdue has a very real chance of starting Big Ten play zero and three. I don't think they will. I think they'll beat either Ohio State or Wisconsin, but. I, I guess I guess they did they did be Iowa so they would be one in. it could, yeah, it could be dicey for Purdue. I think that Purdue is going to win on Sunday. You do. Um, even against even they sc- they still scored one hundred one hundred six point seven, um, well one point oh seven points per possession against one of the top ten defenses in the country. Somehow they just didn't play defense against Minnesota. Which is which? I it's just shocking. I mean, there is some substance to that, um, but at this point, I'm kind of willing to chalk that up as eh, not an out, eh, kind of an outlier, um, but I just, maybe just a bad day, a bad 40 minutes, um, considering how they haven't had another single game where their adjusted defensive efficiency is above 100. Um, they've allowed over one point per possession, you know, a handful of times, but. They're I mean, a solid. De- they're the, a solid the defensive Villanova team. Game probably. Yeah, yeah. The Villanova game was one point one one points per possession. Yeah. And, and but Louisville they, was they played one. Villanova tight. They did. They, I mean, but they played Villanova tight at home. I mean, and and I, th- I think college basketball is one of the sports where I think it's really important to denote if you're on the road or if you're at home, because mm-hmm. if you look at something. Uh, Let's look at uh, Michigan State, for example, and Purdue. Purdue versus Michigan State at home. So at or so at Purdue, they're pre- currently projected to beat Michigan State by nine points and win eighty percent of the time, according to Ken Palm. On the road at Michigan State this season, they're currently projected to win by one point at a fifty-six percent rate. And that's a twenty-four percent swing between home mm-hmm. and road against a top between a top fifteen team and a top forty-five team. Mm-hmm. College ba- there, there's a huge difference in college basketball both between home play, neutral site play, and road play. Right, and, and I think it's it's as big of a difference as in any sport. Yes, and so I, I truly believe that there are a lot of weird results that happen that shouldn't happen because you're on the road. I mean, and of course there are going to be also weird results that happen at home, but I don't think that those are... I think there's a lot more nuance in those games, whereas something like losing, something like playing close to probably the best team in the country in Villanova at home is going to be a yeah. lot is going to be a lot easier to explain than something like losing to, losing to Minnesota at home. Minnesota, yeah. yeah. Well, and, and there's also the free throw discrepancy. I mean, you you could it's not going to be hold true in every game, but I mean. Over the course of the season, a home team's going to shoot more free throws than the away team. It's just yep. um, that, how that's it a fair is. Thing, yes. So, I mean, to that point, there's that. But, yeah, I, I 
just come come in wholesale on this Purdue thing. I think Purdue's going to win. I would put my expect. I'd give that like not a ton of confidence. I'd put like fifty five percent Purdue's going to win because I think Wisconsin is the better team. But Purdue shooting it can can scare you. Um, I mean, they're shooting they're shooting forty one percent from three. So I don't make the rules here. That's really good. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> They, they got plenty of guys that can step it out. And Caleb Swanigan shooting 40%. Like, that's not fair. He's only made 11, but <laughs> stop. I mean, if that's Dakota Mathias. Holy, holy moly. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. I, it'll, it'll be a tough game. They per, Mackey Arena is definitely a house of horrors for Wisconsin. I Let me tell you. And, and that might be why I'm picking Purdue is because I just don't feel like they're the Badgers are going to win a game at Purdue because they don't usually do that. No, and it's something about the weird elevated floor there just kind of freaks me out. I don't elevated floors and elevated floors in general not don't don't like. So elevated, not a fan. Elevated floors and like like the Final Four or whatever. I'm like I'm used to and I expect at this point. But elevated floors in home arenas just I don't I still don't even like it in the final four. I, I, I'm on the team that thinks that final four game should be played in basketball arenas so players are shooting um in basketball arenas that were made for basketball and not I, for football. Hot take. I like having the final four in a football stadium because then I am able to go to a Big Ten team in a thin a thing. And by that I mean I'm happy that I they guess. play the final four in a, in a big arena, so that way, cheapo people like us can go to those games and not get priced out. That's because true. I did get to go 50, two final 60, fours 70, in the student section. Yes, I guess. But the student section tickets, uh, let, let I'm going to let the people out on a little secret here. They're like forty bucks for the final four. So my freshman year, when they went to the 2014 final four, was able to go to well both years. I was able to go to all three games for. Forty dollars, so thirteen bucks a game to watch each of the final four games. <laughs> and then during the Kentucky Connecticut national championship, we we snuck around the uh, the Jerry Jones world and didn't really watch the game. But I mean, that's I don't I don't really think that game was that memorable though. No, it wasn't. So it was more it was more fun to kind of like we got we got onto the floor onto the floor like the service level into the tunnel of the stadium weird i don't know how we got there we opened the door opened the door and then like oh we're in the tunnel and some lady saw us and so we ran out ran away <laughs> <laughs> were, you, were you guys dressed up or were you in uh no we were just wearing like, wisconsin okay. stuff at that okay. point okay. yeah it's so i so going kind of again let's circle back to purdue a little, a little bit here i will say i don't expect wisconsin to win this game I think it'll be a close game, and I think that Wisconsin will probably... It'll be one of those games where Wisconsin will trail by, like, 3-5 to five the entire game. And then with about four minutes left, they'll take the lead on, like, a like a Koenig 3 or something. You think the Badgers are going to gonna take the lead and win? No, no, no. I said they'll take the lead with, like, a Koenig yeah. 3. And then Purdue uh, will, will go uh, on, like, a four-possession, like, 2-2-3-steal-3 two, two, three, three kind of thing. And then they'll be up by like seven, and Wisconsin will claw back within like two, and then lose. Okay. Like like one oh. of those one of those classic heartbreaking losses that you can see a mile away, but yep. you still get upset over. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna put you down. Well, that's like the uh, that's like the exact opposite of the Indiana game. Basically, yeah. It was. Pr- I mean, uh, people were freaking out about how they blew that 13 point lead, and it's like, guys, <laughs> it was 13 nothing like, four minutes. They ago. were up 13 nothing. Like that's incredible, but they weren't gonna hold that <laughs> against Indiana. Like that wasn't gonna be a thing all game. Anyway, that's yeah, like that's pretty much the exact opposite. Yep, pretty much. Um, let's see what I predicted for this one before the season started. I'm sticking with those because currently the Badgers are what thirteen and two. Yes, sir. And I predicted them four. Thirteen and two. I said Boilermakers seventy nine, Badgers seventy four. Uh, I think it'll be lower scoring than that, but I think you have the right idea. Um, let's see what's Purdue's tempo at. Purdue plays fast, but Wisconsin still plays pretty slow. Seven, so probably like what. 67 66 maybe yeah. possessions yeah ken palm's got him at 65 possessions for this pre for this for his prediction 70 okay I'll, I'll go purdue purdue 75 wisconsin 71 okay that's fair can we circle back to this indiana game for a little bit sure just some things to talk about what's up one ethan Happ must have excelled at geometry because he's I, he's just putting it right off the glass baby i yeah i tweeted out last night in the first bucket of the game like because I missed the first few minutes, so I was watching it back on online, and it's like there's no way that he scores. And then he scored on that play where you know he catches the ball, literally on the baseline, takes a couple dribbles, surrounded by two Indiana bigs, reaches through them from underneath the hoop, and then spins it off the top of the glass. That's probably my favorite Ethan Hap shot by far. That was is, incredible. Is, is the one where he goes baseline into like a reverse layup, and it's just like. Yep. It's so good. Yep, and and I know you love yourself some Ethan Happ. I love me some Ethan Happ. Baby. <laughs> uh, just people, people. You, I see people on Twitter complaining about his finishing ability, and to that I say, stop that. The dude shooting sixty-seven percent from the field. Sixty-seven percent from right, the field. Like, there is there is only so much you can complain about his finishing ability. Mm-hmm. Yes, he cannot shoot free throws to save his dang life. Yes, he cannot take a shot outside of four feet from the from four feet from the hoop. But the dude is lethal from four feet within within the hoop. Ethan Happ's the best player on the Badgers. Which I said preseason, did I not? You did say that I preseason, said and I, I was I was hesitant. I was like, eh, he might be like two B, but you can't be one, right? No, no he's number one. Like, he's number one, like, baby. Uh, he's maybe the best player in the Big Ten. Uh, I'm going to give it to Caleb Swanigan right now. Actually. And uh, you can give it to but I said maybe, and there's an argument to be made. Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. And Miles Bridges is pretty good, too. Yeah. Miles Bridges finally got back, finally got some game action tonight, too. Yeah, yep. Yeah. The Den's Gazi round two. Yeah. Turns out that just a good good case of the State University of New Jersey is all I need to play some good basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Should I just call them that from now on? Yeah, just call them the State University of New Jersey. Thank you. Also, just shout out to Rutgers for just revenue driving yes. this this conference. All, all about the footprint, baby. All about the footprint. And Maryland for getting us Under Armour, even though I don't really care. Uh, Open, yes, the gateway fa- drug for Under Armour. Yes. That's what Maryland is. Fun fact, uh, Ethan Happ has four games this season where he has shoot, shot – Above fifty percent from the free throw line. I'm sorry, five games. Uh, three of four against Indiana. <laughs> two of two against Prairie View A and M. Three of five against Georgetown. Four of seven against Tennessee, and one oh, of one against Creighton. Oh my goodness! He is shooting twenty five of forty nine 
from free throws. He's shooting better from two than he is from the free throw line. Yikes. Uh, he's actually shooting worse this year than he did last year from the free throw line. He shot 64% from the free throw line last year. Somehow he shot worse in conference than he did in the non-conference too. Um, can I get back to more Indiana thoughts? Absolutely, please. I'm just roll, rolling them as I, th- I wrote them down somewhere, but I'm too lazy to find it. <laughs> um, okay, there was like it, Alex Lacanian played 11 minutes. Most of those were a lot. That was largely due to foul trouble for Hap and also Koenig. You they know, got the kind of, those two got a lot of foul trouble in that first half. Yeah, it was frustrating. Yeah. Well, Hap Hap picked up his third early in the second in the yeah. second half. He was fine in the first half, but so Ilikanen was playing a lot, and I'm like, I'm just thinking, okay. They're not. They're they're getting minimal offense out of the kid, and you need. You're getting beaten on the boards, and Darren Duran Davis is is doing work on you in the paint. The, is that not the situation where if you need to bring in a backup big, you go to Charles Thomas? In theory, yes. I mean, not like not like their reserve bigs are that good great yeah i mean it's probably not that much of a difference but it clearly wasn't working with 25 on the floor i can't really say i understand greg guard's rotation last night uh again especially especially with the foul trouble only going nine only going eight deep and plus jordan hill garbage time where is where is good old charles where is charles thomas the disappearance he played a little i believe you know who has been um who has been there and alive and active is the new Josh Gosser. Uh, would that be Zach Showalter? It would be, and I mean, they're really not the same player at all because Zach Showalter's not the defender Josh Gosser was. <laughs> but they're both dudes who can stroke it and have really high offensive ratings. Actually, right. the highest offensive rating on very good offensive teams. Yes. So, uh, and I will say there's there's something quite there's something that's. Very soothing about a Zach Showalter three. Just it's just it's just one of those things where like everything feels okay when that happens. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true, yeah. Because because with 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 like Koenig, I get hyped up. I get hyped up when Koenig shoots when Koenig shoots a three. When Showy shoots a three, I'm just like, hey, I can I can roll with this. This is my jam, baby. This is my jam. <laughs> Maybe that's weird. No, I don't it's, know. It's, it's not weird. I support you in that. So okay. So we've talked about the players that played well last. I mean, we've also talked about Alex Lilikanen. Yeah. Can we, talk, can we talk about who played worse than Alex Lilikanen last night? Um. Well, let's think who played. Jordan Hilton. You're going with Nigel Hayes, aren't you? No, I'm going with Vito. Oh gosh, Vito. Okay. <laughs> if I get this off my, I I hope that the listeners have also noticed this, but it's like Vito Brown gives entry passes to the post. In situations where there's no pass. Like, he'll catch the ball at the top of the key. And there will be, like, a Bronson Koenig on the wing who has a perfect position to feed Nigel Hayes or Hap down low. And Vito will chuck it in there. And, it, like, and then it goes for a turnover. And he, <laughs> he's, done, he's done this consistently. Vito and had three of the team's turnovers me. last night. Three of the team's seven turnovers. And uh, there, was, there was a pass... I, and I, I'm picturing this where Vito is on like the right side of the uh, the block, and he passes out to like Koenig or Hap, or I think he passes out to like Hayes or Koenig or whoever, mm-hmm. and just like just like throws it completely wide and it goes out of bounds. I'm just like, dude, 
Dude. And that's that's the thing is that like I think in su- if he was a better shooter, I think you could kind of marginalize his n- negative impact on the team. But I mean he, he shot 40% last year. Don't make me go Vito Brown apologist on you. But, but what I'm saying is is that he's going to have to pass the ball. And in an offense oh. like this, you have to look you have to know how to pass the ball well. And that is very clearly not Vito's strength. No, and, it's not his and, strength, but he's taken many strides in in the whole not freaking out when he gets the ball aspect. But oh, he, I'm, but I'm you're, so glad that he knows that the ball is okay in his hands. But the dude still know he needs to know what a passing lane is. I think you're, I think what we're bringing up is correct that he he makes very many and those are mental errors really. It's not like he's just having a bad shooting night. Like he's giving entry feeds when he shouldn't. You know, he's dribbling when he doesn't need to. There's just things like that that are difficult. Okay. This is this is interesting. So Vito Brown has played about twenty four minutes a game this season. Okay. This season he's currently shot ten free throws. Yeah, I saw that today. That's ridiculous. Okay. He shot ten free throws and he's six nine. Okay, ten free throws. He has shot thirty five twos. And he has shot fifty eight threes. How many twos? Thirty five. And how many of those I don't have access to like shot analytics or anything, but how many of those do you think are mid range? Uh I don't know. He is shooting sixty nine percent from two. That's nice. Yeah, that's pretty nice. So I, I would I would assume that he's probably got he's probably got a fair amount of like layups and dunks and stuff. But I would reckon that the rest are like fifteen footers. Yeah, he, he takes a lot of he has had a, lot, a few dunks and he has had some nice post ups and but most of those are probably jumpers, yeah. But I don't I don't understand how Vito Brown's career arc goes from 62s and no threes as a freshman, as a sophomore, 202s and 103s as a junior, and then 42s and 63s as a senior. No, but this is great. Like that's how that's what his shot. But he's shooting worse. Just... But he's shooting worse from three now. I mean, he's shooting 5% worse this year than he did last year. Yeah, but it's not like his twos are in the paint. They're not Ethan Happ shots, you know? I, I don't know. It's it's, like, it, it's a weird career arc from a dude that's 6'9". Let me just Okay, that, that is – that's it is. It's a weird career arc. But remember last year when everyone was – you know, they were, at the beginning of the year, it was like, Vito, just step back. And I wrote a story about it later in the year. It was like, Vito, when did you, like, first decide – realize, oh, I can shoot threes? He was like – yeah, um, I kind of just did it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they kept telling me step back. If Vito's uh, Vito's awesome. I love Vito. His voice is just hilarious. Like his talking voice is hilarious. They just told me to step back, and Nigel kept saying, "No, just shoot the three. And so I shot it. And so that's what he does now. Like most of his twos are deep twos, so I'd rather him take those threes than the deep twos. I guess I don't because most of them are open. He takes open threes. That's the thing. That's that is true. I mean, a lot of looks he's taking have been open. They just haven't been falling. And he got hot at the end of last year as well. So I, I'm curious to see if that's the case again. And I'm gonna I'm gonna vote yes. That's the case. Ooh, I'm I'm looking at his game logs from 2016. His he did not make he made. Two threes in the game once before February. 
then they switched those jerseys, and he just didn't miss, really. Then he goes 3 of 3, 3 of 6, 0 of 3, 1 of 4, 1 of 4. 4 of 6, 2 of 6, 3 of 4, 3 of 4, 3 of 5, 2 of 5, 2 of 6. Goodness gracious. And and not only did he hit the winner against Pitt, but he would have had one of the bigger shots in Wisconsin basketball history had the officials not decided that Nigel Hayes didn't get mauled at the end of that game and the Badgers choked it away. Yeah. I'm not. I'm, let, let's not go there right now. I'm just saying he that game against Xavier. He that was a big shot. Um, fun fact: Vito Brown shot four free throws in the last ten games of the season in last year. Oh, <laughs> I mean, and yeah, all of that's, those that's... all of those were in a 12 point Big Ten tournament loss to Nebraska. Oh yeah, that's right. That was a fun game to be at. Oh, I'm sorry, you were at that game. Yeah, I was covering it. It was not fun One to watch. Of my... It was part of my sad, sad history with Indianapolis. In in summation, <laughs> the state of Indiana is weird at basketball. Wisconsin's playing a lot of basketball in the state of Indiana. Vito mm-hmm. Brown is bad. Ethan Happ is good. Vito Brown is not bad. Vito- Stop that heresy. <laughs> Vito Brown was bad last night. Ethan Happ was good last night. Is that he hit the, He hit the dagger. He's a six. He's like a six nine guy that shoots like can play solid post defense and rebounds. And then, I'm okay with that. Also, Khalil Iverson, amazing rebounder Khalil, and amazing Khalil defender. Is Play Khalil. Khalil that was Iverson my other thought. Wonderful. He only had two oh. points last night. Can you believe that? He only shot two shots last night. Well, he barely played. The dude had five rebounds in 13 minutes. Yeah, and two of those were offensive boards on the same possession. Anyway, that's that was my that's just my thought. Play Khalil. I guess what are you okay, so and we've we've kind of already talked about our expectations for the Purdue game on Sunday. Any other words that you want to leave us with, Kurt? Because we're running a, we're running quite long now. We're running late and I hope the people all listening to this got stuck in traffic or something, because we've said a lot of words. Um I think I've gotten off I it's been a while, so I've had a lot of thoughts. I think I've expended them all. This was a fun podcast. It's good to be back. Sorry that it took so long, guys. We were kind of working out some issues with Kurt in terms of whether or not that we could actually have a podcast. And I didn't really want to say anything if we didn't have to, and so we were kind of in radio silence. So, our bad. Yes, our collective bad, but it was, I mean, not also not our bad, because it was kind of unavoidable. Yes. So, we are happy to be back. We are happy that you're happy that we're back. We're happy that you're happy that we're happy that we're back. So yes, everyone's happy. Everyone's and happy, the, and the Badgers are three and zero since I graduated college. Good yes. night. Good night, y'all. This was an episode of Guarded Optimism. You can follow us on Twitter at Guarded Optimism, at K A Ashour, and at Kurt Hull. Thank you, and go Badgers.